What's going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells. And this is the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Guys, what's going on? I feel like we just talked. How's everything, Sells? We did. We had the longest unrecorded intro into a podcast in history because your genius over here forgot to press record when we were talking. So we got about 20 minutes into a podcast. And then it occurred to me we were not recording. So hopefully we can uh, rehash all of the good discussion points we had and didn't just waste them on uh, the three of us. Ryan, how are things? It's been a while, my man. It was a heck of a time the first time around, I have to admit. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know what? Then let's just get right down to it here. Because we have situations around the league involving COVID. We talked about it a little bit last week. And that was regarding Miles Gaskin in that killer matchup against the Jets, not really utilized, wondering why that was a Duke Johnson went off in the good matchup. Instead, we find out afterwards that it was because of COVID and him being on the list for as long as he was that maybe from a conditioning standpoint, he wasn't ready. So enter this past weekend and I'm sitting there in my semifinal and I didn't have the guts to bench Tyreek Hill. But I was a little bit paranoid that if this can happen to Gaskin, what about Tyreek Hill? How's he going to do? Is he going to be limited? We've been talking about some of these other receivers going into the week like Pringle or Hardman that could be useful when Travis Kelsey didn't make it through and he was going to be out. So I thought that I was all right there, but I still had a little bit of paranoia. And when I'm wondering why this guy isn't smashing and other receivers are on this team. It's We are now finding out that, according to Patrick Mahomes, he's saying essentially that Tyreek Hill was extremely gassed because he was on the COVID list. And I talked about this a lot, guys. And, Ryan, I'll start with you here. I talked about this a lot on the radio, that you got to still start your studs. And now one of our studs had just come off the COVID list, and now this is not the first time this has happened where he was gassed. And in the NBA, they have not only – it's not in the NBA. You see this a lot. It's not activated off the COVID list they're playing unless it's an emergency. Then maybe they dress and that's it. They often go through a conditioning period as well. The NFL, it doesn't really seem to be as so. So, Ryan, at this point after now what we're hearing about regarding Tyreek Hill – how worried are you about other players that could be coming off the COVID list that we may need to start? I mean, I mean, there's definitely a worry, but, you know, we're to the fantasy championship now. So maybe for, for DFS, uh, you know, it's easier to avoid Tyreek Hill. But if you're in your fantasy final, I, I don't know about you, but I know that I would absolutely kick myself in the ass if I lost a fantasy championship because I played, I don't know, Devontae Parker. And sat Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's extreme. You wouldn't probably wouldn't do that. But you know, if if I sat one of the top guys at his position because he was coming off the COVID list, and he goes for even say nine catches in a hundred yards, not not a huge game, not like the the one he had against the Chargers, and that was sitting on my bench, and he was a stud. I I, I might drink for a month. After. I mean, I probably do that anyway, but I might drink heavier <laughs> for a month if I lost my championship because I sat Tyreek Hill. I think it's a you know when it's the, the top echelon guys the really the guys you draft in the first two three rounds i think you just got to go on the ship or the be on the titanic and just be playing those violins and go down with it if it happens 
Yeah, you live by the sword, die by the sword, right? You got to play the guys you drafted in the top few rounds because that's why you drafted them, was to have them for a shot to win a title. So this week we get Travis Kelsey coming off the COVID list. This is Wednesday. It's been announced he's passed protocols. He should be practicing today. Hopefully three days plus a walkthrough of practice will be enough to at least get him on the same page as Mahomes. And there's a benefit here, right? The, the Bengals are one of the worst teams against the tight end in the league. They've allowed the third most receiving yards to them, only by seven yards away from being the most receiving yards. Um, they don't rank very well in DVOA against them. And Kelsey gets a massive target share when he's on the field. So even if they come out and say he's going to be on a pitch count, I still think you have to play him because Kelsey's not a tight end that, that blocks. If he's on the field, he's running routes. He's you know, a target for Mahomes. And the other thing to keep in mind is they can manipulate the snap count for Kelsey and just put him in when they're in the red zone area and you still get the touchdown upside because it's not like they need him to move from the 20 to the 20. They've got Mahomes through to, what, nine different guys last week? And Hill was fifth on the <laughs> on the uh, catch list. So they, they've got weapons galore in Kansas City. Let's talk about something that's going to be happening that could switch things up, Ryan, for your 49ers, and that's Trey Lance. I mean, with Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with a thumb injury, now Trey Lance expected to be in, right? I mean, you don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be playing, right? You know, Kyle Shanahan has not ruled him out yet, but that is Kyle Shanahan's way. But, no, there I see 0.00% chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is in there this week. Should we worry if we're Debo Samuel – investors at all that maybe his production could ceiling could lower a little bit because if Trey Lance is out there then he's can be running a little bit more and that could take away from someone like Debo it's possible but they really don't have like they're kind of like the Chiefs they don't have a lot of throwing options at least from wide receivers Debo it's Ayuk and it's Kittle uh, you know, Jawan Jennings is a nice little story, but he's not all that great. And Debo is kind of like a second tight end out there. He's so big. His hands are so reliable. Uh, you know, it's just I, I feel like he is the safety blanket for the, the quarterback, especially a guy, you know, in his second start. He ran 18 times the first, his first start against the Cardinals. So I do expect him to run a good deal, double digit times, dozen times, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I'm kind of thinking he's going to throw a little more this week. He's got a great matchup against the Texans. Uh, I know held down the Chargers for most of the game last week, but they're still not that great of a team. I have no idea how that happened when they were down, like, what, 18 guys on the COVID list? Uh, I think that was just an aberration kind of game. This one's in San Francisco. Uh, So I think Debo will be just fine. I think Kittle will just be just fine. I I don't have enough confidence in Lance. I'm not streaming quarterback in my fantasy championship, uh, and I'm not using him in a DFS matchup even against Houston. But I'm not worried about Debo at all, no. Yeah, I mean, let's also not forget that Debo is has a shot to be the first wide receiver since the merger to lead his team in rushing touchdowns. So even if he's not getting the nine for, what, 159 he had against the Titans uh, through the air, he's still going to rush the ball. Houston still sucks against the run game no matter how San Francisco wants to do it, and they're predicated on the run. They call more running plays than passing plays, even with Jimmy G back there. So um, I, I don't have any problems with Debo. Trey Lance, yeah, I'm not really paying attention to him in any form or fashion because if we're looking to stream, I mean, Tyler Huntley, if he plays instead of Lamar Jackson, he's still cheap, and we know what he can do. So, Let me tell you something that you will be paying attention to then, Selzy. Darren Waller 
just placed on the COVID-19 list. Just again, I mean, I know that people that have invested in Waller have had backup options already, but, you know, it's just a bummer here. They were hoping that he would be able to come back. Now it's not looking good. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly he'd missed the last few games because of the knee thing, and Foster Moreau has not exactly been Darren Waller uh, (laughs) in any form or fashion. This likely ends his shot to play this week because they don't play on Monday, and even if he's uh, unvaccinated, you need a minimum of five days uh, in quarantine at this point, Uh, and then you can basically lie your way back into the game just by saying, yeah, I feel good, and, you know, temp is reasonable, so... I feel I feel pretty good, even if you're like throwing up in a trash can like two minutes later. So um, it's Hunter Renfro or bust for the for the Raiders, right? I mean, that's their only passing option. That's been their only passing option all year. That's who you're rolling out there, regardless of who else is around him. It's Hunter Renfro and maybe Josh Jacobs. And honestly, the defenses have certainly put a whole new focus on Hunter Renfro the last couple weeks. So he is not quite been the guy he was so uh, we'll see well, when you have up. one dude to pass to that's what i'm saying yeah there's, no, there's no other don't real worry option. about sacking Derek Carr. just surround renfro with two dudes and or 10 dudes and make <laughs> you know his make only, his only hope is that it's against the colts this week who are you know a really pretty terrible pass offense so he may maybe still feel yeah. okay about renfro but he's not he's, he's certainly fallen off the smash play he was you know two three weeks ago colts are also without darius leonard right now too who is on the who's on the COVID list too yeah we'll have to see if carson wentz is able to make it back but it makes me worry a little bit about someone like michael Pittman. let's just say a now not 100 percent condition wise carson wentz throwing him the football i mean if anything, because they've been relying on Jonathan Taylor so much, why would they abandon that at this point? They're not. Yeah, definitely. I think Taylor is definitely the number one guy here, and we'll see what Wentz. You know, I haven't seen whether he's symptomatic or asymptomatic, and we're not going to get into the this and that about it. But if you're unvaccinated, then I'm sorry. The numbers prove you're more likely to be sick. Uh, so we'll see if Wentz. If he's sick, I don't think he's going to be able to play. I know it's kind of an uh, uh, honor or dishonor system at this point, but from from everything you see, I mean, when when this thing gets you, you know, it gets you pretty good a lot of times. So I don't know if he'll just be able to just be like, uh, I'm okay. Didn't uh, so. you have it? No, not yet. I'm getting oh, to I the thought, point. I thought you got it at some point. No, not me. No, he had he got vaccinated and boosted, right? So he had some like ripple effects from. Yes, that's what it was. Your second vaccination. You were you were feeling like a garbage or something the next night. Yes, the booster. Yes, that's yeah, that's yeah, what like yeah, twelve hours. I'm sure Carson Wentz is going to be feeling like garbage for longer than that. I hope he doesn't. In all honesty, like sure. we hope he's he's good and whatever. Right. But um, I mean, has Carson Wentz really had to do all that much in that offense recently? Anyway, I mean, Jonathan no, Taylor. That's the had, thing. That's the thing, and that's why I was worried. And, Ryan, we talked about this on Alarm After Hours. That's why I was worried about this situation because when they're going up against Arizona and the whole thing is you want to throw on them, they're giving Jonathan Taylor 29 to 33 carries. That takes so much away, and that's why I was paranoid about Michael Pittman going into last week, Ryan, when I said that, when I asked you about that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he he's had a few pretty down games this season. So I know last week wasn't one of them. We had, you know, the eight catches for 82 yards. It turned out to be a good one, but he's, he's had, you know, a few duds or a few not great games. Uh, so now with this extra, 
you know, question mark thrown into it. Uh, I think if Carson Wentz is not out there, uh, I, I definitely don't think you can you can start him, uh, Pittman. But uh, I don't think he's a slam dunk at this point. Depending, obviously, depending on your roster, but I, I don't think he's absolutely one of the top what thirty six receivers out there this week. A couple ways to slice this is the Raiders have one good corner, and he's going to be on Pittman regardless of who's a quarterback. But the other way to slice it is that so far backup quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks that have come in this year have actually done pretty decently well, Giants players aside. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Sam Ellinger actually looked pretty decent. I know it's preseason. I know he didn't necessarily face the number one on the defense, but the Raiders don't have that many number ones on their defense. So... And if all he has to do is do play action to play off of Jonathan Taylor, there should be some open looks for him to have at least a decent day and maybe sneak some some passes to Pittman's, uh, Pittman's way. Guys, I'm very nervous as someone who is an investor in James Conner at this point. And we know he didn't play last week. He's dealing with the heel issue. He's a game-time decision for this week. But – you know, I feel like for us in fantasy, even though we were able to really ride him out for most of the year, I kind of feel like he's a game-time decision for fantasy lineups, too. I don't feel like he's a sure thing. I don't feel like he's necessarily going to get enough volume, even if he plays. And that scares the hell out of me. We're talking about Kyler Murray, who can run. We're talking about Chase Edmonds, who they have, who they'll throw to, taking any legs out of the passing game for Connor. Now, I know that Connor received nine targets a few weeks ago, but at the same time, with Edmonds out there fully healthy and him not, especially a heel injury, I don't see that happening. And it's one of those situations that even if he does end up suiting up, I'm hella nervous starting this guy. Yeah, it's also a bad matchup too, right? The Cowboys' defense has been unbelievably good uh, the last several weeks. And I'm not even talking about their dem- their you know, demolishing of Washington, because let's face it, that team was not ready to play. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would say that at this point, it's Chase Edmonds or Bust in that backfield. I'm not sure that uh, even if Connor plays, that he's going to get the volume to make him worthwhile. And as a guy who's facing a team who has James Connor and I have Chase Edmonds, I'd prefer it to be that way <laughs> in the championship. Even if I don't wind up playing Edmonds, I don't need Connor out there getting the volume to beat me. So, yeah, I, I, Connor is a, it doesn't matter to me if he plays or not. He's a no go this week. Uh, there, this team is going to the playoffs. Uh, and I don't see any reason why they're going to ride Connor who let's face it, probably got more carries this year than they ever thought he would. Uh, you know, I know he's only 26, but you know, he's got the body of probably a 35 year old between all of his injuries that he's gone through and, and beating cancer and beating cancer. I don't really see them giving him a high volume over the last two weeks with him, you know, not a hundred percent and chase Edmonds having great success last week. So even if they do suit up Connor, I'd be surprised if he even got the eight carries that he got in week 15. Uh, I think he's somebody you, you try to stay away from at all costs this week, unless you're really in a desperation mode. And you might be, and you have to start him in that regard, but you have to lower your expectations regarding someone like James Conner. Now, when you all drafted him, me included, I drafted him on three to four different teams. I thought a good late pick. Okay. Goal line work. Great. Edmonds not really used in the red zone. So maybe it gives him a little bit more love there. Great. The return that we got on James Conner because of all the circumstances, incredible, amazing. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean we can take everything he's done and put that towards starting him in a very risky situation. Like you said, the matchup is bad. They're healthier, and that's going to take away from him. He's not healthy. He's dealing with the injured heel that kept him out last week. So there's just a lot working against him, and this is going to be, I feel like, one of the most asked about players if he ends up suiting up going into the weekend because right. he's people, also in a late game too, right. which doesn't help because if you're waiting and it's not even a four Oh five late game, it's a four twenty five late game. So there's the extra 20 minutes that the inactives don't have to come out. That costs you a decision on, you know, playing him or not. Right. And, and guys with that, it's one of those things where we're here to help everybody in our discords on our shows that we do on the site, on our shows that we do on Sirius XM. We're here to help you. We're going through all this stuff too. All right. We're going through all the COVID stuff. We're going through all the, well, we should have done this and this with our league to prevent and protect ourselves a little bit more. And that's why, you know what, it, even while we're still in season here for fantasy football, we can still figure out ways to make our leagues better for next year. Absolutely. And, like I'm in, I'm in one final. Like I've done more roster moves in the past couple of days. And like I picked up Jordan Howard. I picked up a gun. I picked up the Bears defense. Like go through the waiver wire, man, and see what's out there. If this is your championship, anyone in your roster that you're not playing this week, see if there's someone better out there. Like better your team. Not only do you better your team and give yourself yep. chances, but you take the opponent's a chance to pick up these guys. Yep. Out of their hands. So the- I made a move to get uh, Gabe Davis once he cleared protocols. Yeah. I don't even care if I'm not going to use him because right. I have three or four wide receivers that might be better than him. But I don't need my opponent getting him because you never know what's going to happen between now and right. Sunday, true. right? There's no Thursday night game this week. There's no Saturday games. So it's all down to Sunday and Monday. But you don't know who's going to pop a positive on a Saturday, and then you don't want to be scrambling because you let the guys go. Like, oh, I'll be fine. Well, And we all have roster spots that we know the guy. We know we're not yeah. playing the guy. I dropped you know? Michael, T- or Michael Carter because he's like my fifth or sixth best running back, and I'm not playing him against Tampa Bay, right? Right. He's not going to – there's no reason to play him against Tampa Bay. So drop him. I don't care that he won me six weeks. Right. Right? Earlier in the year when he was actually worth a damn. <laughs> I dropped him because Gabe Davis has a better shot to play, and he's more valuable this week. Guys, let's go to the family table here because I want to bring something up on how to improve fantasy playoffs. And I feel like I'm a lot more open to this now than I was a few years ago. And we all talk about it. I was a beneficiary of it this season, but in past seasons I've been on the other side, which is frustrating, where you have your semifinals and one semifinal is something like 165 to 150 and the other semifinal is 81 to 77 and it's frustrating it's the luck of the draw i know that's how playoffs work and stuff in real sports but there's a way to bring up that fairness factor and i want to bring this to your guys's attention i mean ryan you into you into group play at all ryan um no comment okay well with that what about <laughs> you satisfied disappointing one person at a time okay cells <laughs> what about you um, I like to watch it for the World Cup and, you know. Oh, okay. And, All right, that but, group play. I see where you're going. Well, here's what I'm thinking when it comes to group play for fantasy football playoffs. You take all the playoff teams, all six teams, you put them 
in one matchup. It's everyone plays everybody. And it's all about the points for the week with the top scoring teams. In best case in the quarterfinals, you could take the top four and have them advance. And then you could bring it down to two or three. And it only takes the scores into account. No schedule whatsoever. I would do it in season. I've been in leagues that have done it for the season where you get the most points for the week, you get 11 wins or 11 points all the way down to one. And it's one of those things where I think it works. It brings up the fairness factor. I mean, you should be penalized because you're in a bad draw when it comes to the bracket. I just think now with other sites out there with the customization that they have, I feel like more leagues should flock to all the teams being put in one pool for the playoffs. And then based off the highest scores, that's who's advancing and not matchups. So you want a points based, you want purely points in the playoffs. I want purely points based in the playoffs. Okay. So let me put it this way. What's to, what's to keep you from doing a completely points based regular season, right? Because let's say for sake of argument, that based on the way the schedule rotates, because most of these leagues you start with one, you're going to play everybody once, and then for the last couple of weeks you're going to circle back through that same schedule. What happens if you get to play the three worst teams twice and you, Vensti, have to play the three best teams twice? I think that's unfair too. I've done points-based seasons, and they work, but it's a very foreign concept, and – I feel like casual fantasy players, and Ryan will get your take, I feel like casual fantasy players don't want to abandon their head-to-head format. I am i don't want to say indifferent to it, but I'm not going to argue for it or against it. It's not going to stop me from joining a league. But, but one thing I like about fantasy football over fantasy baseball is the head-to-head format because I feel like it keeps everyone in it longer. Like I feel like you could catch a couple injuries that, that way. And your season could go in the toilet in a hurry uh, where head to head, maybe, okay, maybe you lose two weeks, uh, but, you know, the, the scores all, re, you know, reset the next week. Uh, so say you're down, you know, you lose two matchups by 50 or 60 points, uh, you know, your quarterback goes down or whatever. Then all of a sudden you're in an awful big hole that that's really hard to come out of. Uh, but Again, I, I'm not against it. I like the idea better for the playoffs than for the regulars, you know, to do the whole season. I can definitely see it being uh, adopted for the playoffs. Uh, I just think, I feel like the head-to-head just kind of keeps everyone involved a little more. There's the camaraderie of smack talk of who you're playing that week. Uh, I think that also adds some fun to fantasy football. So I, I'm not against it, but I'm I'm not going to argue for it either. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see both sides of it. Um, it's interesting to think about bye week strategy in terms of a full season points league because usually right. what happens is people will say, "Oh, screw the bye weeks," and there's even arguments to stack all of your bye weeks for one week so you just mm-hmm. punt the one week and then hope you do well enough the rest that the one week doesn't matter. But that could kill you in a points league because if you take zero points one week, you could absolutely get pummeled in the standings. Um, I'm fine with it for playoffs. That happened to me this week, actually, in the semifinals. I had my best scoring week of the season. In fact, even without Joe Burrow's 46 points, I still would have won by two points. Uh, the other one was like 101 to 91, and mine was one. I had 176, and the guy I played had 130 or whatever. Um, 
so yeah, I you know I'm fine with the the points format in playoffs. Uh, mine is a twofold one here for the family table. One, this tweet really really got to me <laughs> earlier this year or earlier this week. Somebody tweeted Adam Rank, nah. and basically cussed him out for giving him bad advice on who to play in a semifinal matchup and said that his advice solely cost this guy the chance to either make the playoffs or advance in the playoffs. Okay, let's flip that on its head. If you had won, would you have given Adam Rank any of the winnings? Nope. No, because it's your team. You're in charge of your decisions. You can ask us for advice. That's what we're here for. But keep in mind, we're working on the same intuition and the same stats that you are. We're simply reading them a little differently than you might be. If it doesn't work out, doesn't work out. We're also talking about human beings playing a game here, right? Tyreek Hill could have been in a smash spot. But what we didn't know was he was essentially going to be a decoy. Miles Gaston was in a smash spot. Didn't know he was going to be a decoy, right? So if you're willing to go to Twitter and and take down the people giving you advice, A, don't ever ask for advice again, and B, fork over the winnings you do get, because clearly it's not your team, it's their team, and they're with your name on it. Uh, And then secondly, another idea to help the fantasy football playoffs, offer to split the pot in the championship. I'm in a league, my home league, uh, with our colleague Drew Phelps. you know, I'm in the I'm in the championship this year against the commissioner. The commissioner is a guy who likes big payoffs for the guy who wins the league. We're talking the pot is like nineteen hundred bucks. Thirteen hundred of it goes to the winner. Six hundred goes to second. <laughs> that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Why, if you win by one point or sixty, you should get seven hundred more dollars than the guy who also the made the title. You won. Okay. So here's what I offered. I offered to split the pot, right? So now it's 1100 and 800 So the winner still gets more money, right? But now you insure yourself, even if you finish second, you've insured yourself of more money. Yes, if you win, you've cost yourself a few hundred bucks. But both of you insure yourself a minimum of more money that way. And it's, I mean, sometimes they don't go for it, but... It's reasonable to ask to split the pot. I am so torn on that topic. I don't even know what to say. Like, <clears throat> I'm in one now, and I've been kind of sitting here, kind of waiting to see if the other person was going to request that. Uh, and, and I feel like if you're in, if you're looking at both teams, and you feel like yours isn't as good as that other team, that you might want to split the pot more than the person. See, what's entertaining still- is I'm actually projected to win, even though he's got Nick Chubb, Devonte Adams, and Justin Jefferson and Jalen Waddle. I'm yeah. projecting to win based on matchup, but projection. I still, I don't know. I'm, I'm very torn on that, and I go back and forth. I can see it both. I, I, and, and we've so, split the season series one-one because we've played twice, and I beat him to secure the second seed. I don't you know. Wanna, I you want to like go in believing in yourself. You want to oh, go I in believing myself. Well, but I, I also want I'm to ensure. Saying, I'm just saying to Ryan's point regarding like him being torn. I kind of get that because I'm in a situation where I'm a heavy, heavy underdog. I'm a bottom of the barrel six seed that shouldn't have made the playoffs that advanced to the finals with 81 points. And I 
don't know whether or not I want to split the pot. Yeah. But it's game theory, though. It's economics, right? So if both of you are in there, you both have equal chance to finish first, and you both have equal chance to finish second. So why not ensure both of you get more money for an equal shot at finishing second? You don't get more money. The person who won got 200 less. What I'm saying is you get yeah. more money for finishing second, and you yeah. both have equal shot at finishing second, right? So the economical thing to do is to offer to split the pot because it ensures both of you get a minimum, a higher minimum of money. Because here's the thing, Ryan. What happens if you lose by a tenth of a point? Yeah. Is so- that tenth of a point worth 700 more dollars? I don't think so. Yes, it is. And that setup in this, I, I listen, Matt. I, like I said, I could really this one. This is a subject that really, uh, it it really has me torn. I, I get the people who are like, we played all year. Let's just see what happens. And I get the people who be like, let's enjoy the last week and just not let it stress us out. Because I'm stressed out now for Sunday, and I'm going to be thinking about this all week. I have the league page open and I look at it every day. So like, I'm super stressed over this. So Wait, I understand. Now by splitting too. the pot. I'm also like, hey, I walk away with a minimum of this. Yes. If it doesn't go well, I've gotten a higher minimum, right? And Drew, by the way, has made the finals twice in this league, has offered to split the pot both times, and both times won and then screwed himself out of a couple hundred bucks. But he's like, if I had lost, I still would have made the couple hundred bucks back up that I would have lost out on. So Yeah. No, listen, it's something good to do. And it, it, you're right, it does take some of the pressure off, and especially if you have leagues where it's winner-take-all. But, you know, again, it's nothing controversial or anything. And if you want to do it, you do it. But I get it, because you want to go in believing that you can win. You made it this far. You obviously did something right. But then there, there's the reality of the situation, where I'm probably, I haven't even looked, but I'm probably a 40-point underdog heading into this matchup. I lost against this guy who's the number one overall team, won the regular season, won a bunch of high-scoring payouts. The last few weeks in the regular season, he put up a couple of low scores. Then he bounced back in the semis with 135 to my 81. So <laughs> trust me, it's 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 a tough decision. Ryan, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, everybody tonight, if you have an adult beverage, please pour a little out for John Madden passed away yesterday, 85. Uh, I was not around to see him coach, but I definitely saw many, many, many games of him as a commentator. And before video games passed me by, uh, certainly owned Madden for, uh, I don't know, at least 15, 16 years, uh, you know, brought so much to the league, brought so much, you know, charity wise, we gave passion to so many people for football. So uh, a big loss to the NFL, and and uh, hopefully he's having some turducken up in heaven today. So passing of, of John Madden at 85. Yeah, he's a, he's a great, great broadcaster and one of the best football treasures that have ever walked this world. And I'll just say this, when the turducken, you, you, you guys got to watch the documentary. I haven't yet, but I will. It's amazing. And the turducken looks awesome as well. Guys, listen. It's been awesome being with you guys in 2021. We're going to continue rocking it on Family Times in 2022. We'll be back again next week in the new year. For Matt Sells, give him a follow on Twitter at the Sellsman. Ryan Hallam, give him a follow at Fighting Chance. I'm at Fenstie Sports on Twitter. Be safe and good luck in your championship weeks. And as they say in Lost, we'll see you on the other side, brother.